few moments ago, Garrett read for us the parable of the unmerciful servant. I don't know about you, but I, I view that as one of the most powerful parables that Jesus taught because it so graphically illustrates the horribleness of being unmerciful. Can you imagine that scenario? We won't take time to read that. Again, that text is in Matthew chapter 18, beginning at verse 23. But it tells of a fellow who was called by his master who owed an incredible debt. He owed so much that you'd never be able to pay that back in a lifetime's worth of work. He was just, in fact, it's hard to imagine how he possibly got in debt to his master to that degree. It was just an overwhelming debt. And the master had mercy on his servant and forgave him his debt. He forgave him a debt he could never repay. Then that very guy went out and found a fellow servant who owed well, he owed a good bit of money, but it was doable. He owed a hundred denarii. You, you would make a, a denarii or a penny. That was a day's wage. He, he owed him a hundred days' wages. So, uh, you know, you, you could make that much in three, four months' time, maybe. He could have earned that. He could. That was a debt he could have paid, given time to do it. But the first servant wouldn't give him that time and had him thrown in jail. No mercy. When the master found out about that, of course, he was enraged and punished the original servant because he had no mercy. As I said, I think that is such a graphic parable. So easy to see it. And of course, what we recognize is the servant who owed a debt he couldn't repay is us. And then when we won't have mercy toward others, we're like that first servant. And we've got to really be warned by that parable. So, with that graphic parable in mind, that brings us to the question that we want to ask in our study this morning. The question simply is, are you full of mercy? We want to continue our study of the Beatitudes. As we've been pointing out each week, this is the fifth of the Beatitudes, actually. These Beatitudes constitute the introductory remarks of Jesus' famous Sermon on the Mount. And so today, we want to talk about number five, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Matthew 5, verse 7. It's an important concept, and one that we can all work hard to develop more and more, this idea of being merciful. Let's study that this morning. Before we get into that study any further, we stop simply to thank everyone for being here today. We're so glad that you came. Uh, it's a little bit of a dreary day, but we have a great blessing in being able to be together in this warm and comfortable place. Thank you for coming. A special thanks to those who are visiting with us today. Please come again every time you have a chance. As was already mentioned, we're seeking to please God with our worship today, and we hope we accomplish that. But we certainly also hope that each of us will be edified, encouraged, informed, instructed in the things of God so that we can strive more and more to be the kind of people He wants us to be. Thanks for being here today. Let's talk about mercy. Are you full of mercy? And that's our question. We're trying to look introspectively in all of these things. What about me? Does that describe me? Am I full of mercy? How would you define mercy? If you had to sit down with a blank piece of paper and a pencil and you had to write out a definition of what is mercy, how would you define it? Well, here's what Thayer says about it. He says, mercy is goodwill toward miserable and afflicted so goodwill toward those who are miserable and afflicted joined with a desire to relieve them. So it's not just feeling sorry for people in a bad shape. 
it's doing, wanting to do, and doing that which may help them. Vine says, not simply possessed of pity, but actively compassionate. And so it's not just that I feel sorry for them, but I'm going to take action. I'm going to do something to try and help them. And so mercy conveys that idea of compassion in action. You get that? That's not very difficult, is it? That's an easy enough definition for us to grasp. I'm, I feel for the for this individual, but more than just feeling an, a sorrow or an empathy, I'm going to try to do what I can to make that better. The scriptures give us lots of examples of that sort of thing. A really interesting one is one we know well, and that is the story of the Good Samaritan. That's found in Luke chapter 10. And the, the, the parable of the Good Samaritan is initiated because a fella identified as a lawyer, who wanted to justify himself, asked, who is my neighbor? In other words, he understood, you ought to do good to your neighbor, but by the way, who is my neighbor anyway? Can you define for me the ones I'm obligated to do good for? And so that's sort of the gist of the question that Jesus was asking. He proceeded to tell the parable of the Good Samaritan. You know how that goes. A man was taken by thieves, beaten, and left for dead. And on the roadside where he was left in miserable, injured condition, a priest and a Levite, religious people who should have known better and done better, passed by on the other side. They didn't want to have anything to do with him. But along came a Samaritan. A certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him, and went to him, and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast, and brought him to an inn, and took care of him. It's interesting that in our Bible class this morning we were talking about these Samaritans, where they came from, and this animosity that existed between Jews and Samaritans. The Jews particularly despised the Samaritans. So you've got to think that Jesus, in constructing this parable, purposefully did that. Here's a Jew, an injured Jew, left for dead, and it was a Samaritan, of all people, who came along and saw him in that condition. So what did he do? Well, first of all, notice he had compassion on him. That's part of this definition of mercy, isn't it? He had compassion on him, but his compassion led to action. He went to him, bound up his wounds, poured in oil and wine, set him on his beast, brought him to an inn, took care. Boy, there's a lot of action there, isn't there? When you think about what the good Samaritan went on to do, he was compassionate, but that compassion went into action. And he did a lot to take care of this individual. So at the end of the parable, Jesus asked the question, Which now of these thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among thieves? And the fellow who had asked the question initially answered, He that showed mercy on him. And Jesus said to him, Go thou and do likewise. He said, basically, you're right. He was the one who was a true neighbor. But what I want you to see here is, here's this linkage of compassion and action. He had compassion He went, he, and he put it to work. And this question, the one who questioned Jesus accurately identified that as mercy. Compassion in action. So there's a good example that illustrates this whole idea of mercy. Of course, Jesus is, a, is great in illustrating all such spiritual principles. And Jesus did this with the ten lepers. We've talked before about the horribleness of leprosy, uh, a, a terrible, debilitating 
disfiguring disease. And of course, lepers were outcast from society. They weren't allowed to even have any interaction with those in normal society. It was a terrible, not only physically dis, uh, uh, disabling disease, but it also affected them in, in ability to earn a living, to, to be in contact and socialize with other people and so forth. A leper was in a horrible shape. In Luke chapter 17, as Jesus entered to a certain village, there met him ten, le- ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, notice, have mercy on us. So they, they asked for Jesus to be merciful. Did Jesus just feel sorry for them? No, it says, when he saw them, he went into, uh, and when he saw them, he said unto them, go show yourselves to the priest. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down in his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answering said, we're not ten cleansed, but where are the nine? Notice here, these, these ten men were in a horrible shape. Jesus had mercy on them. Active compassion. The sad part of this tale is that nine out of the ten didn't even take the time to thank him for what he had done for them. But again, you see the idea of mercy. And then, of course, God uh, is an ultimate being of mercy. And here, so the injured man needed mercy from the Good Samaritan. The, The ten lepers needed mercy from Jesus. What about God? We need mercy from God, right? In Titus chapter 3, verse 5, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. You think about that guy who was beaten in the story of the Good Samaritan. He's in bad shape. Man, he's in bad shape. He was left for dead. You think about the ten lepers. They were in horrible shape, physically horribly sick, but also completely outcast from... They were in bad shape. I'll tell you something. Spiritually speaking, we're in worse shape than that. So that described physical conditions of those individuals, but our spiritual condition, lost in sin, doomed to spend eternity in hell, we're in a horrible shape. I think sometimes we don't realize just how horrible a shape that is to be. Lost in sin, doomed to hell. According to His mercy, He saved us. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4, God, who is rich in mercy, notice, He's rich in mercy, for His great love wherewith He loved us, even when we were dead in sin, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace are you saved. Uh, by grace are you saved. The sending of Jesus, His mercy was so great toward us that He would send His own Son to, huff, to suffer that horrible, agonizing torturous death on the cross of Calvary, God is great in mercy. Um, You know, there's a little bit of an extension of the meaning of mercy here. When we were dead in sins, He quickened us. One of the extended meanings of mercy is that a, a merciful person spares punishment to one who justly deserves it. Can I say that again? Mercy means not punishing someone who deserves to be punished. So that's what God did for us. We deserve punishment. But because God is merciful, 
He's made it possible for us to avoid that punishment. You get the picture of mercy then, right? I hope that you do. Uh, and if you've got that well in mind, then what about us? Because our question of the hour is, would that describe us? Are we full of mercy? Let me, su- let me suggest some ways that we manifest this. If we have mercy, if we're full of mercy, what are some things that that would cause us to do? Well, first of all, help those who are in need. And here we're particularly thinking about those who are in physical need. The Scripture has so much to say about being benevolently minded. Uh, Remember, mercy is compassion in action. And so when you see someone who's in bad condition physically, you don't just feel sorry for them, but you are moved to act on their behalf. In James chapter 2, verses 15 and 16, If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be warm and filled, notwithstanding you give them... Uh, notwithstanding you give them not those things which are needful to the body, what does it profit? Think about this. There's, there is a, an implied expectation. We are absolutely expect, expected. If you had a brother or sister and they were in terrible physical need, there's surely stated here an expectation on the fact that you would do something about that, Right? Um, we live in such a blessed time and we have such an abundance of things, uh, I think sometimes we let this idea of people in real need and seeking to help those who are in legitimate physical need, uh, we let that slip from our mind. So, being merciful would involve that. I think being merciful would especially involve looking to the spiritual needs of people. I'll tell you something, if a man is hungry and I feed him food, I've done a good thing, and I should. I'll tell you, if, if a man is lost in sin, and I teach him how to be saved according to the truth of the gospel, I've done for him a greater thing. Uh, and so we need to view it that way, too. Yes, look for chances to do physical good. Mercy would call upon us to do that. But helping people in their spiritual needs to come to know about Jesus Christ and the salvation God has made available through Jesus Christ That's an even greater thing. And we should be looking for those chances. Mercy upon those lost in sin should motivate us to do that. I want to tell you, mercy also suggests that we have a a kindness uh, in the way that we judge others. I think you will agree with me that one, one of our basic characteristics is I can see other people's faults so much easier than I can see my own, right? Isn't that just typical? I can see what's wrong with the other guy. I'm not as careful to look to my own faults, but Jesus says that we absolutely must do that and and that we be merciful in the way that we judge others. A familiar and so often misused text comes from the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 7, beginning verse 1. Jesus said, judge not that you be not judged. That's the part, of course, that people want to really misuse. Jesus was not forbidding all judgments. He was forbidding hypocritical judgments in which I see someone else's faults, but I won't acknowledge my own. He goes on to explain. For with what judgment ye judge, it shall be judged. Ye shall be judged. And with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considereth not the beam that is in thine own eye? 
Or how wilt thou say to thy brother, Let me pull out the mote out of thine eye, and behold, the beam is in thine own eye? Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and then shall ye, thou see clearly to cast out the mote out of thy brother's eye. Uh, I think the point's clear there, isn't it? In helping others with their sin, and I should, right? And, and, and that, of course, involves the necessity of judging when there's sin that must be dealt with. And this, this is not condemning all judgments, but what it is saying, I should never get, forget my own faults. And I should correct my own wrongs before I try to correct somebody else's wrongs. Uh, I, I need to be merciful in the way that I judge others. That would be a, a manifestation of this compassion in action that we're describing this morning. Obviously, I think mercy involves a willingness to forgive others. Have you ever heard somebody make an expression along the lines of, I'll never forgive that person for what they did? We absolutely cannot possess that sort of attitude. Uh, it's, it's so uh, wrong and plainly condemned in scriptures. We cannot take that attitude. I'll never forgive. We got, we have to be willing to forgive. And I want to really emphasize this willingness to forgive. And unfortunately, whenever that comes up, we have to talk about the, I think, an erroneous position that some take on the business of forgiveness. Some teach we just unilaterally forgive everyone. And the scriptures do not teach that. The, the scriptures teach that God and Jesus forgive us on conditions. When we sin, we're talking about sinful action. And in regards to sin, God forgives us, the Lord forgives us conditionally when we repent. When we, when we seek forgiveness, the Lord extends that to us. And I really believe that's what we must do. In Luke chapter 3, Jesus said, If thy brother sin against thee, rebuke him, and if he repents, forgive him. I said Luke chapter 3, I think I mean 13, don't I? 17, 3. I'll get that right in a minute. Thank you, Arthur. In Luke 17, verse 3, Jesus said, Take heed to yourself. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. Uh, and so, this idea of unilateral forgiveness is not taught in the Scripture, not in regards to sinful things. But what is taught is that we always have to be willing to forgive. We have to be willing to forgive. And that's a manifestation of mercy. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32, Be ye kind one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. When we think of how much we've been forgiven by God, then it ought to be easier for us to forgive others. And that's exactly what Paul is saying there in that verse. Now that leads us then to the next point. In each of these lessons we've tried to talk about how can we develop this attitude and characteristic more fully in our own lives and so the, the first answer to that, how to develop this attitude of mercy, is what that previous verse just talked about. Remember all that God has done for us. It ought to make it easier for us to be merciful. What's God done for you? Well, it, it would be hard to catalog it all, wouldn't it? But especially when we think about the great gift of His Son, Jesus. John 3.16, God so loved the world. God so loved me. God so loved you that he gave his only begotten son that whoso believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Uh, 
I was in a bad shape. I was in worse shape than that guy beaten and left for dead. I was in worse shape than those ten lepers. I was in horrible shape. I was lost in sin, doomed to hell for all eternity. God so loved me, and God so loved you, God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Remember that. That will help us be merciful. Also, really care. I, I, I want to emphasize the idea that we need to really care uh, about others. When we really care, then we'll want to do what's ever needed uh, in, on their part. Go back to that parable of the Good Samaritan again. Luke 10, verse 36. Jesus asked, he asked the original questioner, which of these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among thieves? And that guy, not Jesus, but that guy said, he that showed mercy on him. Jesus said, go, do thou likewise. So, we've been forgiven so much. God has been so merciful to us. God has been compassionate toward us. And in His compassion, He provided His own Son as a sacrifice for our sin. God was merciful to us. Go thou and do likewise. You see that? We need to really care. Like the good Samaritan cared, we need to really care for others. Bottom line is this, though. You need to understand that this business of being merciful is commanded of us and that our own salvation depends upon it. Uh, that ought to be plenty of motivation right there. First, the command. Here's the command. Colossians 3, verse 13. Forbearing one another, forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel with any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. So we know that it's commanded. And we know that Jesus taught in Matthew 6, beginning verse 14, that our salvation is dependent. Forgive men, if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will you, Father, forgive your trespasses. If someone, and remember, we, we, we talked about forgiveness. It's not unilateral or unconditional. But when someone has sinned against me and, and comes in repentance seeking forgiveness, I need to do that. Jesus said, if I don't, then I will not be forgiven. Alright. Hope you see the progression here. We're trying to build all these lessons the same way. Define it. Illustrate it. Show how we can possess the attitude. Finally, the result. The result is, they shall obtain mercy. See that? Go back here to the text itself. Whoops, let me go back here. The text itself says, Blessed are the merciful, they shall obtain mercy. The result of being merciful is that God will be merciful to you. They shall obtain mercy. Go all the way back to what Garrett read for us earlier about the unmerciful servant. In Matthew chapter 18, verse 35, So likewise shall my heavenly Father do unto you, if ye from your hearts forgive not every one his brother their trespasses. Just like was done to that unmerciful servant, so will be done to us if we fail to show mercy. James 2, verse 13, He shall have mercy without judgment that has showed no mercy, and mercy rejoiceth against judgment. Judgment without mercy to the one who has showed no mercy. I ask you a question. Final judgment. Final judgment scene. 
You're there before the Lord. Do you want him to judge you with no mercy? Absolutely not, right? I mean, uh, I'm going to be much in need of God's mercy and judgment. Okay. This says that if I judge others without mercy, then there will be no mercy extended to me. Now, that's a real warning, isn't it? That's a real warning. But I'll tell you what it is also. It's an implied promise. It's a warning if we don't have mercy. But the implied promise is that if you will be merciful to others, God will be merciful to you. And that's an important promise for us to know. And so, the merciful shall obtain mercy. Really important thing for us to talk about. It's an important thing for, it's an important attitude and characteristic for us to develop. And like all of these, it's that kind of thing wherein you say, I can do better. I can do more. I can be more that way than I have been. There aren't any of these principles that say, you've done it all already. You can check off your list. You don't have to think about that anymore. None of these beatitudes are of that nature. All of these are things wherein we can grow and improve. I hope our lesson has been an encouragement to us all in that direction. Thanks for listening. We're going to sing a song of invitation. As we sing this song, we ask you to make sure your heart is right with God. Have you obeyed the gospel yet? If not, it's plain, easy to understand. Hear, believe, repent, confess, be baptized for the remission of sins. If you've not done that, we hope you make that decision. If you're a Christian already, but you've fallen away, come back to him in repentance, confession, and prayer. If we can help, let us know while we stand and sing.